our place on the cross. Wonderful Jesus, wonderful Saviour. We thank you that you took our shame, you took our sin, you died in our place. You took upon yourself the punishment of of us, of of mankind. We thank you that you died a, a, a terrible death in our place, that we who were separated through sin from the, from the Father God could now once again be reconciled back to Him in relationship through your work on the cross. Lord Jesus, we appreciate you. We thank you so much. We love you, Lord Jesus. We pray even tonight that you would help us afresh to live our lives in honor of the death that you died, in honor of the life that you gave us, in honor of the relationship that you restored again back to Father God. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, Amen, church. God bless you as you take your seats. Thank you, Kate and the team. Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, let me just ask a very broad question. Is there anybody here that's got any problems today, tonight, this year? Okay, hands down. All right, anybody don't have any problems? Nobody doesn't have any problems? That's, I'm speaking to everybody tonight then as we face the problems of life, face the needs of life. Sometimes we can even feel that we're at the end of our rope. And how do we go on? How do we keep going? Can I have the... PowerPoint, thank you. Sometimes we're trying, life's just a juggling act, trying to juggle all sorts of things. Got lots of needs, lots of problems. Tom's got a big smile on his face, recently married, (laughs) (laughs) trying to adjust. (laughs) Sometimes we feel like the frog in the rain, just holding on, waiting for the showers to finish. Sometimes we can even feel like the little cat found all these pictures you can tell I'm a nature lover even though I like crabbing but we won't go there (laughs) the little cat on the end of the rope the little kitten and sometimes remember we talked years and years ago there was this I suppose a a story about a person on the end of their rope on a cliff and they yelled out help help and father God just spoke in his quiet still voice let go help said the man again help let go trust me and let go help said the man is there anybody else up there and quite often God is just asking us to let go of our situations asking us to just let go of the problems so that he can work in our lives so that he can work in our situations and sometimes the frustration comes in the situations when we haven't let go you know, um, yesterday I was over at Elwyn's place. We were working together on his tractor, putting it together. And another analogy could be that, you know, if we want somebody to look at our car, repair our car or even our tractor, we drive in and we can't sit there with the engine running or we can't sit there with things spinning or turning while we want somebody to look at it. We have to, what, take our hands off the wheel take the keys out or turn it off first, take the keys out and actually hand the keys over and get out of the vehicle. Quite often we're 
right in the problems of life, holding on for grim death and going, God, help us. And he can't, it's almost like he can't do anything. He can't repair the problem or he can't work because things are still going around and he just asks us just to let go like that man hanging off the cliff. I guess we've all seen this before. Sometimes we feel like this, looking for a solution to the problems. And all we can think of is we just feel like banging our head against the wall. (laughs) You read that? Step one, place, uh, this is an anti-stress kit. Place on a firm surface, follow the directions in the circle, bang head here, and repeat until you're unstressed or become unconscious. (laughs) And you can see that little man leaning against the question mark there looks like he's already done that. Didn't quite knock himself out. So... First, uh, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14. Let's just read that together. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. You know, I was thinking in the back of my mind the last couple of days, wouldn't it be nice if we had communion because we're talking tonight about the death of Jesus and how he gave his life for us and we had communion tonight. So that was quite special quite wonderful for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced because we are convinced because we are convicted because we have come to the conclusion that one died for all and therefore all died and so it's just an acronym but I thought of this Fully rely on God. We've heard it many times before. If we um, forget the details of it, you can think of the frog. Fully rely on God. And I thought that fell in quite well with the pictures I found on the internet. The little frogs hiding from the rain. Fully rely on God. That's the, that's the hard part because quite often we've got everything worked out. We've got our need, our problem. We feel like, like the little cat like we're at the end of the rope, like somebody's going to take us crabbing or something. (laughs) We think, is there a solution? We question, is there a solution? Has God got a solution to my problem? And we come to a fork in the road. We can either go my way or we can go God's way. And isn't that the hard part? Quite often we say, God, we want you to help us, but we're going to do it this way. That's the problem, letting go. If we go our way... Sometimes it's carefree and we end up causing more problems and we end up still wanting in our needs. But however, if we go God's way, we have boundaries and we have constraint. We'll look at that in this verse. Boundaries and constraints. And this provides protection, solutions and our needs supplied. The hard part is letting go. The hard part is giving things over to God. The hard part is not being self-sufficient and trusting in God. My way or God's way. As we look at, we're going to look at these two verses tonight. Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. Also, we're going to look at the verse in Psalm chapter 127 and verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house... Its builders, its builders labor in vain unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard or stand guard in vain. 
unless the Lord builds a house. Sometimes, you know, when we're looking at God, how do we, what, what do you want us to do? How do we build our lives? How do we build our families? It says there, unless the Lord builds the house, even the church itself, its builders labor in vain. When the situations, when the problems, when the needs come, unless the Lord watches over the city or our family or our lives, unless we allow him to, the watchmen stand guard in vain. Back to 2 Corinthians 5.14. This word compels is the Greek word suneko or suneko. And it almost sounds like the word, as I was looking at the pronunciations and the different forms of the word, almost sounds like the word tourniquet. Tourniquet is meant to wrap around. And even the meanings of this word in the different translations, quite often if we come to a passage of Scripture, it's good to compare different translations. Where does the translator differ? If they differ quite a lot or if there's a point that they differ on, sometimes it's, it's worth looking into. In the Amplified Bible, this word is controls, urges or compels. For Christ compels us, he urges us, he controls us. Isn't that comforting in our situations? Yeah. In the King James, constraineth. In the Bible, in basic English, he's moving us. In the Dowie Reams Bible of America, back in, I think, 1954, the translation was released, he presseth us. In other words, he surrounds us. The New Jerusalem Bible, he overwhelms us. And in the Good News Testament, we are ruled by Christ through Jesus our Lord, through the death on, his, on the cross. And the meanings of this word compel... Number one, it means to hold together. And think of your situation tonight. Think of your problems. Think of your needs tonight as we look at this. It means to hold together, lest it fall to pieces or something fall away. Or something fall away from it. It means a boundary or a hedge. A boundary or a hedge. The second meaning of this word means to hold together with constraint. To compress of a strait that forces a ship into a narrow channel. A strait that forces a ship into a narrow channel. It's so easy, isn't it? We'll go our way if God wants us. The way that he's set in front of us is this narrow path. We want to go this way. We stand often at the fork in the road, our way or God's way. A strait that forces a ship into a narrow channel. A cattle squeeze, pushing in on each side, forcing the animal into a position where it cannot move so that the farmer can administer medication or medication, something to help the animal. A cattle squeeze, pressing in on each side, putting the animal in a position where it can receive help. Number three, uh, uh, the third meaning of this word, to hold completely, to hold fast, to be held by, closely occupied with any business to constrain or to urge, and this is particularly of the soul, things pertaining to our soul, to our mind, our will, and our emotions. For Christ's love compels us. For Christ's love sets a hedge around us, a boundary. For Christ's love is a strait that forces our ship into a narrow channel. For Christ's love holds us fast, and he, he holds us completely. 
and that we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. Now, Teresa and I, as some of you know, we've been looking at houses, we've been looking at blocks of land and we came across some time ago, about 6 or 12 months ago, we were shown this block that was 21 acres and let's just say, for instance, we bought it and I said to Ben and Naomi, you guys, come and build your dream house on my property. I've just bought 21 acres. Come and build your dream house on my land. Would you have any questions? Yeah? First one would probably be, well, where is it? Second one would probably be, what's the catch? <laughs> the third one is, if we do agree, where can we put it on your property? We need boundaries. If I was to say to Ben and Naomi, come and, drill, uh, come and build your dream home, here's the block, here's the boundaries. You can build your house, any type of house you can build within the boundaries. Now, would you still have any questions? It'd still be even after I told you where it was, told you here's the boundaries. Well, let me tell you a little bit more about this block. There's two dams on this block. This is really a, actually a block that exists uh, out of town. Probably from the road as you access into it, it's 25 metres above sea level. At the highest point, it's about 50 metres above sea level. Over the other side, you can look at the Calliope River. It goes down to probably a level of about 40 metres. There's two dams on it. There's already a road on it. Those little squiggly lines there. Now, the dams were dirty. That's why I coloured them in brown. There's little squiggly lines of the gullies, so... You know, if you're into motorbikes, maybe you could invite um, Tom and his mates out and they could come motorbike riding. There's plenty of gullies, four-wheel driving, all that sort of thing. Would you still have any questions? A few questions. Penny's, yes, <laughs> Penny's got lots of questions. Well, here's a bit more information. There's actually, on this scrubby block, there's actually three places where a house could go. There's a big house block right up the top. There's a house block overlooking this dam. There's another house block on the other side of the road. Any more questions? You'd still want some more information. These people are hard to please. <laughs> well, my house is actually on top of the block already and I've got some fruit trees around it. So there's a place that you can't actually put your house. The other clearing or the other flat place on the block has actually got a lot of trees on it so if you were to build there it's overlooking the dam but if you were to build there you would have to clear it that only leaves I suppose one option oops and that didn't come out on the slide that other block is actually has power to it so would that make it easy any more questions you probably got a few but but God gives us the details in his word of how he wants us to live. He gives us the opportunity, come and live your life in my presence. Come and live your life in my kingdom. Come and live your life in that which I've created for you to enjoy. But see, it comes with, there's boundaries. There's the place that's in Christ. There's the place that's not in Christ. And that verse in Romans chapter 8 says, well, there, is there anything that would separate us from the love of God? The love of God is a place just like that block of land. It's a place with boundaries. If we're inside those boundaries, 
Is there anything that would separate us from the love of God? The answer to that question is no. But I suppose asking that question ambiguously, is there anyone or anything that would separate us from the love of God within these boundaries? The answer to that is yes, it would be ourselves that would take ourselves outside of those boundaries, outside of the boundaries found in God's word, outside of the boundaries. That place is still there for us to come into, to remain in and to enjoy and to live our lives and be fulfilled. We can take ourselves out of that place. And so the answer to that question is, we are the ones. We can either live in God's boundaries or we can live outside God's boundaries. Romans chapter 5. Just stay there with me in um, in 2 Corinthians. But Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 8. Tonight we celebrated the death of our Lord Jesus. We celebrated and... We partook of his blood that was shed for us. We partook of the, sorry, not of his blood. We partook of the grape juice that represents his blood that would remind us. We partook of the biscuit that reminds us of his broken body. Romans chapter 5 verses 6 to 8. This is what is the love of Christ? What is the boundary of the love of God and the love of Christ? Romans 5, 6 to 8. You see, just at just the right time, we were still powerless Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were yet yet sinners, Christ died for us. Question is today, who would someone give their life for? Possibly, rarely, a righteous person maybe even a good person, but no one surely would give their life for a sinner. No way. That's the love of God. No way, Jose, that disappeared around the corner. Um, And there's no way that we would give our lives for a sinner, maybe for a good man, maybe for a righteous man, but be honest, probably none of us would give our lives for a sinner. Maybe. God's love, the love of Christ Jesus, who is without sin, died for us while we were yet sinners. And it's this love that constrains us. It's this love that gives us those boundaries that we have the freedom within. Further on in Romans chapter 5, verses 9 to 11, we read, Since now we have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him. For if when we were God's enemies, remember that, we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through Christ Jesus our Lord, through whom we have now received reconciliation. There used to be a thought that this word justification, as Paul uses it, or it's translated in the King James Version, the word justification, we used to talk about that stands for, or that word means and represents just as if I died. I was born into sin. I was a sinner. And so when Jesus died, he took my place, so it was just as if I died. However, 
this translation is not so much correct because there's the thought when it was translated, there's the thought that it was a judge decreeing that a person or a sinner, a, 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 somebody that had broken the law, was not guilty. So there was this judge and somebody that stood before him and was told that it was declared not guilty, you're free to go. And this is called an in, intrinsic, I suppose, idea, um, a, a court of justice. But think with me, in a court of justice, the judge and the person who's set free never have a relationship after that. And so a full of understanding of this word, it's the Greek word, dikaiosune, means right standing with God. In other words, we're set free, the price has been paid, the debt has been paid, the death has been offered up by Jesus Christ our Lord. And ongoing from that decree of not guilty, there's this relationship, there's a place, there's a boundary of right standing with God that we can come into and be right with God. If we accept, if we are convinced, as that verse says in 2 Corinthians 5, if we are convinced that one died for all and that through his death on the cross that many have died through his work on the cross. So justified is right standing with God. We are saved from the wrath of God or saved from the punishment of death. We are now reconciled enemies of God, reconciled through the death of Jesus Christ and saved through his life. And even as we did tonight, we are partakers in Christ's death. We are also partakers in his life. Some more verses in Romans chapter 5 where Paul particularly unpacks this about Jesus Christ, one man dying for many, dying for many sinners and that many would come and have the life that Jesus Christ is offering. Romans 5, verses 12 to 21. I'm only going to read a few of these. Verse 12, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men, because all have sinned. Verse 15, But the gift is not like the trespass, for if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Verses 18 and 19. Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all, or for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification or right standing that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. And so we have disobedience when we're facing those situations in our life. Do we follow our way, my way, or do we follow God's way? As Jesus died, he was obedient to the cross. To live and to remain in sin is to remain in the act or remain in the penalty of disobedience. And so the disobedience is a trespass. The obedience brings a gift. I'm sorry that's all gone haywire up there, but obedience brings a gift. Disobedience results in a trespass. In disobedience, one in 
because one man died for us, all died. In obedience, one man's death, through one man's death, through Christ's death on the cross, all now live. In disobedience, in the trespass, condemnation overflows to all. Justification comes, uh, sorry, overflows to all. Obedience, I'm getting mixed up now because it's all over the place. Through obedience, justification and right standing overflows to all. Through disobedience, death reigned, but through the obedience of Christ, life reigned. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse four, uh, 14 sorry, says, Because we are convinced. See, when we face life's problems, when we face the needs, when we face the turmoil, if we are not convinced about Jesus' death applying to us, if we are not living within the boundaries of God, then we seem to be, if we're not convinced, then we're just out on our own. And so many people are out on their own because they don't, they're not convinced of the work that Jesus Christ provided on the cross. Yeah. I haven't got it up there for you, but Romans chapter 7, Romans chapter 7, 1 to 4. In these verses, Paul compares or he uh, evaluates the law of sin and death and he sets it beside the law of marriage. Paul says that the law, under the law of sin and death, because there's been a sin, because there's been a trespass, unless there's a death for that trespass, which is what the law of sin and death require, unless there's a death, that person remains bound to that sin and bound to the punishment of death. Under the law of sin and death, once there's a death, and Jesus thankfully provided that for us, that if we are in him, we are then freed from the law of sin and death, freed from being bound to the law, uh, free from being in bondage to sin, resulting in death. Paul compares it to marriage. And he says, while a husband and wife married, while they are, are alive, they must be dead to all others outside the marriage. He says that if the, the husband or the wife commits adultery, then they, the punishment for that will be death under the old covenant. But he says that while the husband and the wife remain alive, they are bound one to the other. When there's a death, once the husband dies or once the wife dies, then they are free to marry another and free to live to another. Paul brings this over to the law of sin and death. He says, while we live... We live in death. However, once there's been a death, we are freed from bondage to that thing and we are freed to live for another or free to live under another. And so Paul compares the law of sin and death and the law of marriage that while they are alive, they are bound to one another. Once there is a death, they are free to live for another. Thank God that we are free from the law of sin and death. We are free to live for another we are free to live through Jesus Christ our lord and this other verse over in psalm 127 as i was just looking at this i was thinking of sorry i've gone the wrong way i was thinking of nehemiah nehemiah let me read this verse again in psalm 
Unless the Lord builds the house, its labourers labour in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In the book of Nehemiah chapters 1 to 6, we read about the walls of Jerusalem had been broken down. They had been torn down. The people were in disarray. Many of them were in captivity. There was the remnant, remnant that had come back to the city. There was those who, but they were living without any protection. They were living without any dignity. And Nehemiah, as he's thinking, he was a cupbearer to the king, I think in Babylon. I'm not sure, but he was a cupbearer. So he was in a position of trust. He was in a position where he was in a, a small circle of trusted people with the king in the land where he was. One day the, the king found him weeping and he said, What's wrong, Nehemiah? He said, Oh, the city that of my forefathers, the walls are broken down. If only we could rebuild it. The king gave him permission to rebuild. And right throughout we read from Nehemiah verse, uh, chapters 1 to 6. And these are just some uh, notes that I made reading through these verses. And this is also, you know, unless the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord's involved in our lives, we labour in vain. Unless the Lord protects the city, the guardmen stand guard, the watchmen stand guard in vain. So too with our problems, so too with our lives, with our families, with everything that, that we have that is ours. If we don't give it to the Lord, if we don't let go of those things, we guard those things in vain. We work also in vain. So firstly, Nehemiah had compassion. He had great compassion. There was this needs awareness. Sometimes when we're seeking God, what do you want me to do? There's already needs that we're aware of. There's already people in our lives who need help, who need just a helping hand or a helping word. God has given that, us that and he's put them into our life. Nehemiah sought to rebuild the protection and the dignity of the people of Israel in this city of Jerusalem. And also he didn't just go out on his own there was, uh, he had letters from the king. He was under delegated authority. Quite often we can say, God, help us in our situation. Part of the problem sometimes is that people will go out on their own and do, th do it their way without being under delegated authority. Many people live by the motto, well, it's just me and Jesus. I'll just do whatever feels good and I think God will be in that. He'll meet me there. But Nehemiah only went under delegated authority from the king. First of all, the, the letters, he went to other lands and he, um, he secured timber and structures, security of beams. The first thing that they built before they built anything else, they built the gates which provided a place of entry and a place of exit. Quite often the thing in our life, we can build the walls, but unless we cover unless we build a security for those places of entry and exit points in and out of our life with temptations or things that we would take us out of the boundary of, of God's place or, or God's kingdom. That's the first thing we need to do as, as Nehemiah and the people did. They built the gates which were an entry and exit points and they set them in place. The enemies were jealous because before this time, up to the time where they were re rebuilding, they were easy pickings and the news of rebuilding started a war within. The news of rebuilding started a, wall, a war within. 
Quite often when our lives are in disarray, when we come to that point of saying we're going to rebuild our lives, we're going to allow God to rebuild that which has been taken away, quite often we start a war within. We start a war within our lives. We start a war because the enemy knows you're not going to be an easy target from this point on. So the enemies were jealous. The stakeholders rose to the challenge. Shoulder to shoulder they worked to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Outside their houses they rebuilt. They were stationed outside their houses. Now, quite often when God asks us to do things, when we're seeking God for his will in our lives, quite often he won't take us to a foreign land to be a missionary. That's not the first step. He wants us to build and guard around our families, around our houses. And this is exactly, or in our locality, this is exactly how Nehemiah asked people to build in front of their houses because he knew they would be dedicated to protecting their family, dedicated to protecting that which belonged to them. And so this was a strategy. He, He didn't take them to another side of the city so when there was trouble they would flee back to their houses. He had them guarding and protecting shoulder to shoulder with swords in their hand and building with the other hand. Outside their houses they rebuilt to guard and defend with their own with spears, with shields, and the people in unity had a mind to work. Through adversary and opposition there, be, there came failing strength. The people kept complaining, there's so much rubbish and rubble in the way. But what happened, they used it as a stepping stone as they were rebuilding. The thing that seemed to stand in the way was that of a stepping stone. You know, quite often we come to a problem and we can't, it's like we can't see over the top of it. We don't know which way to go. It's like this wall in front of us. You know, quite often if we get God's view, if we get God's ideas, if we see things through God's eyes, that problem, that stumbling block is only the leading edge of a step. God wants us to leave things behind and step up closer to him, nearer to him. Sometimes we can't see it's a step. We just think it's a wall, but God's asking us to step up. The stumbling box blocks became stepping stones. The breaches in the walls were stopped and they were filled in. And in Nehemiah 6, chapter 1, we read, Not a gap was left in these walls. Not a gap was left in these walls. Could I have the singers and musicians back again, please? Let me just read this passage of Scripture to you from the Message Bible. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 and also verse 15 because they're joined together. Let me read this to you from the Message Bible. Christ's love has moved me to such extremes. His love has the first and last word in everything that we do. Our firm decision is to work from this focused center. One man died for everything. That puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life a resurrection life, far, a far better life than people could ever live on their own. A far better life than people could ever live on their own. 
But folks, isn't it so hard? It's so hard. Quite often we forget, we wonder how things have happened in our life, how situations have affected us. And quite often we've not so much turned our back on God, but we've tried to do things in our own strength. We've tried to handle these situations in our own way. We've sometimes neglected God, not in a bad way and not on purpose, but we've just tried to be self-sufficient and tried to be self-reliant. Sometimes we get to a point where we go, God, where are you? He says, my way is over here. You've just looked that way a little bit. You're still within my will. You're still within my boundary. But my way, the, the answer to your problem is here. Don't look to the left or the right sometimes, he says, but look to Jesus Christ, our Lord, the author and the finisher of our faith. I just ask that everybody bow their head close their eyes in the message bible further on in this wonderful passage of scripture second corinthians chapter five as i was praying tonight before the meeting i found this this verse at the end of chapter five and i want to ask you tonight as every head is bowed and every eye is closed where do you stand tonight is jesus your savior have you found that life in god that life is fulfilling or is life still in, ter- in turmoil? Maybe you walked with God at some point, but you realize you find yourself tonight away from God. You're not sure what's happened, but you find yourself as you reevaluate away from God. It says here in verse 20 and 21 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, we're speaking for Christ himself now become friends with God, He's already a friend with you. Become friends with God, He's already a friend with you. How, you ask? In Christ. God put the wrong on Him who never did anything wrong so that we could be put right with God. So that we could be put right with God, God put the wrong on Him who never did anything wrong so that we could be put right with God. As every head is bowed and every eye closed tonight, is there anybody tonight you find yourself away from God? You don't know God. You don't know Him as your personal Savior. All you've known is turmoil and trial and it's felt so lonely. Is there anyone here tonight you'd like to raise your hand and say, yes, I'd like to know what it is to walk with God. Maybe you've walked away. You want to come back. Is there anybody tonight? You just raise your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. You may open your eyes. You know, the trials of life, the needs, the problems come. Fully rely on God. Yep, it's easy to say, isn't it? But God promises us, there's three places in the Bible where God promises us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Those exact words, three times in the Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 6 and 8. Four times actually, twice in those two verses. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 5 and Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. 
I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never leave you or forsake you. It's the love of Christ that compels us. It's the love of Christ that surrounds us and puts a hedge of protection around us. It's the love of Christ that provides a straight way for us, our ship of life to sail in. We go our way or will we go his way? Tonight, as we just close with a song, I just ask that you consider this. Am I going my way? Is my life in turmoil? Or am I going God's way? Is there another way that God might want me to go in? Thank you, Kate, as we sing. Holy Spirit, over all, you want more, more, more than ever before. Spirit of the living God, have your way in us. Have your way in us. Holy fire falling down. Hearts are crying out. Now we need you now, Red of God, Spirit of God, Savior to the power of your healing. Moving closer, open hearts, Lord, to hear you speaking. We want more, more, more than ever before. God, have your way in us, have your way in us, holy fire falling down, God's a crying out, now we need you now, spirit of the living God. Have your way in us, have your way in us, oh, holy fire falling down, the crying out, how we need you now, of God, Spirit of God.